0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Whose World Is This? with Junior Renee Beaubrun. Thank you guys for tuning in. I really appreciate it. We are now entering into Season 2 of this podcast. Yes, Season 2, Episode 1. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, Just a couple of announcements before we begin. Um, If anyone has any suggestions, questions, concerns about the show, anything, any topics that you want to cover, definitely email me at whoseworldisthis21 at gmail.com. And definitely subscribe to our Instagram page, which is whoseworldisthis2021. Also, definitely subscribe to truly lenore on instagram we're going to get to that in a little while all right if you've tuned into my show before you know that i like to name and title my episodes ahead of time just to give the listener an idea about what the show what, what the central theme of the show is going to be about now i'm going to title this show the message why did i title it the message why because if someone who's never listened to my show were to ask me what's the show about what's the message or the central theme i would respond by saying that this show is about unraveling one's layers and allowing someone to live all of their lives at once if you want to sing you sing if you want to be a business person be a business person if you want to teach then teach if you want to dance dance right travel so the central theme would be no matter where you are in the world no matter who you are You can do all of those things on your bucket list in this lifetime. And no one that I know embodies that sentiment more than my next guest. She's an award-winning arts educator, author, transformational wellness coach, recording artist, and choreographer, and she is also the founder and CEO of Chavez House Publishing, which is home to the Silly Selly series, among other notable works. Please give a warm welcome to Lenore Batista. Welcome Lenore.
1: Hello, how are you?
0: Welcome to the show. It is an honor and a privilege to be interviewing such a dynamic person who has such a breadth of experiences in her background and is still making moves in the in the, uh, 2021. I have a couple of questions the audience wants to know a lot of things we'd like to start off from the beginning. So first and foremost, where are you from originally?
1: I am originally from New York City Brooklyn and Queens girl Uh, I'm the first American in my family my my parents and my other siblings were all born in the Dominican Republic so I was the first generation of immigrant you know hard-working people and um, I grew up uh, in Queens although I was born in Brooklyn and you know we went back and forth Brooklyn and Queens but I studied in Queens and Manhattan and the Bronx and so I'm a real New York City girl.
0: NYC girl, which is an interesting, it's one of those singular experiences to have being a New Yorker. I, as well, am a fellow New Yorker, New York City person, and I know that um, if you allow it, that city can inform you about the world in in a way that many places can't. So I'd like to talk to you about all of these titles that you have. I mean, (laughs) I'm, I'm looking at everything here. I'm seeing arts educator, author, transformational wellness, recording artist, choreographer, See, I mean, How do you, how are you able to fit all of these things into one life that you're still living and you're still creating? How, how what, what compelled you? What compels you to, to do all of these things?
1: Well, you know, I was an artist. I came out as an artist, hmm. um, singing and dancing very young. I started around four or five studying uh, piano and then it evolved to dance, and then evolved to singing, and, um, you know, I kind of did a lot of things simultaneously. My friends always ask me the same question, how, how many lives have you lived, because how did you get this all di- done? And I think it was because that's just who I am, I just did it, you know. Um, I became an arts educator very young while I was still in college, it was my job to work at an art center in Jamaica, Queens, and I got to work with a great bunch of um, kids and adults from all over Queens and some of them even came from Brooklyn and Manhattan and I would work there in between dance tours and uh, at the same time I was going to school and I was hustling to get auditions to be a session singer working with uh, different recording studios and so you know that's how you get it in you just do it all and that's all you do
0: that's interesting. You said something earlier about um, kind of came out this way. So there's a, uh, I mentioned in earlier podcast. There's a nature nurture component to our lives, all of us. Um, wh- how we're informed about the world oftentimes happens early on by who is nurturing us, or and what is in our biological background as well. Um, you're an artist. You're an artist at heart, from what I'm hearing. Um, tell me about mom and dad. Were they artists? Um, was your dad an artist or mom an artist? Like, Where do you think you, you got or acquired your, your talent from?
1: Um, definitely got it from both parents. Mm. My dad, um, though it wasn't his profession or her profession, they both musical. My father was a musician um, in his early life, and my mother has always sung her entire life. Um, so me and my siblings, we got that musical gene in us, especially me and my brother. And um, so family gatherings involved lots of music and lots of dancing and lots of singing. And I actually learned to sing harmony from my parents because they would constantly sing in the car when we were going to Brooklyn or back to Queens. And I started adding my little part because I knew that there was a, a note missing. So that's how I learned how to sing harmony. And they would just look back at me like, hey, she's adding another part.
0: <laughs> so, wait, so you knew naturally how to add that other part no one taught you no one said oh this is where you come in you just instinctively knew wait a minute uh there's something missing here and I'm and I know how to add it
1: yeah I knew I knew that uh man I I had an instinct for music and um definitely understood harmony very very young like four four years old five years old I, I could sing a part and add it to them and they sang harmony so they also taught me um, to hear different tones, and, and later on, I, I realized it was a chord, you know, and, and chords have many parts, and uh, my brother happens to be kind of a musical genius, so that helped also. Huh.
0: <laughs> That's interesting, um, so tell me, what is there a song from your past that you would say was a seminal moment where you were like, I want to do that, I, I want to sing like that person, Is there a song that you can tell me about that maybe is like, wow, I want to sing like that person or or whatever?
1: Um, You know, I grew up I grew up surrounded by so much music. My parents were new to this country, so Mm. they were discovering American music artists and also holding on to traditional Latin music, which is rich in rhythm and and uh, and has so many great singers from uh, many of them are from Mexico. Mm. But uh, the the music is dispersed throughout all the Latin culture and countries. And so I was listening to Motown music and classical music and folkloric Mexican-Dominican music. So So I I got a lot. I wouldn't say it was one song, but, you know, I recognized greatness very on. When I was really little, I loved Aretha Franklin, Patti LaBelle, Stephanie Mills, Michael Jackson, and then... Later on, I, I, I got into Eric Clapton, you know, and people that were I just I just knew what a great singer was when I heard Bette Midler for the first time. I was like, oh yes, this is this <laughs> is a great one, uh-huh. and um, you know I grew up in that era of great great music in the 70s and 80s, mm. and so music was was rich, and um, the certainly the people that were you know making the rounds on television were really great legendary people. I great see. legendary artists. So you you got an education if you turned on the T V, you know?
0: Got it. So what kind of Latin music? Uh, what what artists? Do you remember any of the artists from the uh, from oh, the Latin music course. scene from S- early Seria on? Celia
1: Cruz. Yeah. Um all mm. the Dominican artists, Johnny Pacheco, mm. you know. Uh, um So many, so many uh, Mexican great balladeers who I don't remember all their names, but there's so many of them. And so um, it wasn't even that I knew the artists back then, I just knew the music. And my house was always filled with music and rhythm and, and dance. And my father was also uh, a lover of musical movies. So I also had the visual. And that's how I started to love dance, from watching all the old black and white movies that were being replayed, you know, during my childhood.
0: (laughs) Wow. See, that's very interesting. So it seems as if you were exposed to greatness and you gravitated toward greatness. You had an ear for, wait a minute, this is something that is... This is truly amazing and you gravitated to that. You gravitated towards the Patti LaBelle's and the Aretha Franklin's. You just being a child not knowing that these are probably going to be the greatest vocalists of our era. You know, Michael Jackson being one of the greatest entertainers of all time. Aretha Franklin is considered widely to be the queen of soul and this is what you're gravitating towards at an early age not knowing just just feeling Absolutely. Ah, that's very yeah. interesting. And
1: I also had an ear for classical music. Mm. I loved the greats. I loved Chopin, Beethoven, you know, um, and I had that exposure through my piano lessons, which my mother thankfully insisted Thanks, that. Thanks, Mom. Yeah, that, <laughs> we, uh, that we had those. Every Saturday morning for at least 12 or 15 years, I would go to my little piano class. And, uh, you know, you get better and better as you as you keep studying.
0: Right. Wow. So that's that's giving you a wide breadth of uh, experience in musical education from an early age, from parents harmonizing in the car to being exposed to four or five different genres in different countries at an early age, from your Euro classical to Latin music to American soul, uh, jazz rhythms, Afro jazz rhythms in, in Latin America. That is an amazing way to grow up and doing it in New York City at the same time. So that's very, I, I really love that part of your story. And it really um, kind of informs how you've lived kind of the rest of your life. Now, now, see, here's the thing. A lot of people have talent. But a lot of people out there don't believe in their talent enough to go get things, to go on an interview or an audition. Where are you getting that belief, you know, to go out to these auditions and saying, hey, I can sing. I know how to sing. Um, what gave you that confidence and that belief in yourself to go out and do that?
1: You know, that's a good question because uh, I think that's something I was really also just born with mm. because uh, I was always an overachiever. Maybe it's because I was the fourth child out of five. Oh. The fourth child gets <laughs> a little bit ignored, <laughs> so you got to jump up and down a little <laughs> bit bigger. And But, no, I was always self-governed. I was always um competing against myself to be better to be the best at whatever I chose to do and I think that's something you're born with and um, certainly when you when you spend time learning disciplines whatever you are gets enhanced you know yeah. but but there's things um, that are innate to who you are and uh, I definitely can't come from strong people but no one else in my family um, pursued dance at all I, I mean, my mother wasn't even into me dancing because she was very religious. Oh. So I had to kind of go against the grain and just say, this is who I am and this is what I wanna do. And so I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna find a way to do it no matter what. And um, that only c- happens when you really, really love something because it's easy to, to get bullied or, or, or p- parented or coerced out of doing something. If you're not really interested in it, you might let it go. But I was really driven to dance.
0: You know, so that even, that even offers another compelling layer to what we were just discussing about belief. Because one would think, okay, you're taking piano lessons, uh, you're you're, you're singing in the car with family, there's music in the household. All of a sudden you say, mom, I wanna dance. (laughs) And you would think that you would be supported. But you're saying that you, uh, despite the protestations of your your parents, you still went out and still had the confidence and the belief in yourself and what you were doing at an early age. How old would you say you were when you went on your first dance audition?
1: Well, I didn't even start officially learning how to dance um, technique, you know, technically until I was 14. Okay, I was in high school. And I got a class that I could choose to have a regular gym class or a dance class, so I took a dance class. And after that class, the teacher approached me and said, Hey, how long have you been dancing? You did really well. And I said, Oh, I just started. And she goes, Really? How long have you been dancing? And I said, Today. (laughs) And (laughs) and she just couldn't believe it at all. So she she got really inspired to help push me through because most other girls – had been dancing since they were very young, and so they had all this ballet technique and, and a foundation, which I didn't have. I got my foundation from watching musicals on television, and I would imitate every single thing that I saw, from Gene Kelly to Fred Astaire to the Nicholas Brothers to even Shirley Temple and anybody else who was moving uh, on stage, and then uh, you know, later on it was Debbie Allen, who was a huge hero of mine, um, but yeah, I didn't start dance training at all. I mean, that was one little dance class in high school, but after that, then I got pushed to be, uh, in the talent unlimited program, which was a, a specialized program that h- some high school kids get to do in Manhattan. Wow. And those teachers really took me under their wing cause they saw something and they mm. were like, well, we have to catch you up on your technique because your, your natural ability is awesome, but now you need to have a foundation.
0: That's interesting. That's interesting for you to go against the grain from family protestations and then say, yeah, I have this passion. There's something inside of me. And you just kind of went with that wavelength. There was something inside of you that compelled you. So, okay, we learned we we took our formal uh, first dance class, you would say, in high school. Right. Mm -hmm. So now here we are. You're out of high school. You're uh, 18 years old. What are you? What are you? What are you saying to yourself at this point? What do you want to do? Do you want to be a singer? Do you want to be a dancer? Because when did you realize you could really sing at a certain level, as well?
1: Uh, I, I would say I started singing uh, as a favor in a family wedding when I was around 12 years old, mm. and I always had a good ear. I was born with something called perfect pitch, which I didn't know until I got to college.
0: Perfect pitch.
1: Um, it means that you can hear perfect tones and your brain tells you exactly what note it is so if I hear a tone I can say oh that's a C or that's an E or that's an F on the s- on the on the natural scale wow. but um, so that really helped me learn music and then you know I had those mentors that I loved like Shaka Khan and Patti LaBelle and Aretha Franklin and Stevie Wonder to to learn all those incredible mel- melodies and riffs from so I would just imitate everything and it was, it was like a natural instinct to, to gravitate towards you know, melodies. And, and of course my parents were always singing too, so that helped.
0: That helped, yeah.
1: Um, but uh, when did I know I wanted to be a singer and a dancer? I was doing it all through high school, every single day. So at around 16 years old, I met someone who uh, was working with someone else who w- had a recording studio And I ended up being uh, a session singer when I turned 18 for uh, a company that was doing a lot of um, freestyle music. What's that? Freestyle music is old music from the 80s.
0: Okay, old music? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's huge for, for freestyle fans. Everyone who loves freestyle music will know exactly what it is. Okay. But it was a form of music that a lot of Latin New Yorkers Okay. kind of got involved in and it was like pop music with like a latin twist to it okay okay and um Kinda so like
0: house music too but in a certain way was it like house club wasn't music? really house music no? but it okay. was club music for club sure music, gotcha. but
1: it was called freestyle uh,
0: gotcha, uh, gotcha
1: and um it's still around you gotcha. know i i didn't gravitate towards that but i did gravitate towards the idea of being in a recording yeah. studio got and it. so i got paid as a teenager a lot of money to sing a lot of uh demo vocals mm. and ghost vocals for artists on rosters of two different labels in the freestyle world. And then from that, I, I got the fever. I was like, this is what I want to do. You know, I'm good at this. I love being in the studio. I love writing and I love, sing, you know, creating melodies. And I started harmonizing and, and just becoming a pro. Wow! And during that time, I was also being uh, hired to sing at a lot of weddings because it caught on the Latin community is huge so um, instead of just allowing myself to be loaned out to the family <laughs> I started <laughs> saying hey wait I, I need to get paid for this because I'm learning classical music and delivering it well so I want to get paid to do this you know and e- it wasn't a whole ton of money but I was making a living as a teenager in music
0: that is I don't know if you understand how amazing that is to understand you. You told yourself at an early age. What I'm doing is worth getting paid for. That's huge. If anyone was listening to my episode 10 uh, represent on season one, I spoke about being an entrepreneur. I spoke about finding out what your time is worth. Now, some people would just be happy just to be doing it. And some people would be scared to even try to do it or or attempt to do it. Not only did you do it, then you realize you did it well. And after the applause and the accolade and the pats on the back, you said, hey, if I'm good enough to get this applause, then I'm good enough to get paid a certain little amount or something. I should be getting paid for this. So instead of just getting loaned out from the family going, hey, uh, Lenore can do it, You said hey well lenore can do it but you know can i get a couple of dollars to do it that's a huge leap i don't know uh, you were doing it naturally but for many 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 people out there that are talented they don't know that they can actually get paid for their talent they're still treating it as a hobby even if they've been doing it 10 15 20 years they'll knit or they'll write in their spare time they'll do certain things that actually they can put a barcode on it and commodify it and you told yourself at an early age, hey, I I think I can get paid for this.
1: You know, I had been, by the time I graduated high school, I had been in front of so many audiences already. Um, I had paid a lot of dues as a student, and I was happy to be a student, but when people started telling me, hey, would would you mind learning this song or that song and sing it at this wedding? We really need a good singer. And I was like, well, if they're considering me, then yes, I can do this. And so I got business cards made, and I became a wedding singer, uh, part-time, you know, not every weekend of the month was booked, but for several years, I was booked a lot during the, the wedding season, <laughs> and, um, and, and you know, that's how it started. Then I would continue auditioning. I, I started going to dance auditions and joined a few little companies, and, you know, most of those, most of those uh, payments were honorariums, which is kind of just a gift you get, Okay. Um, okay awesome. but the companies were getting paid, so the dancers were getting paid, yeah. and that's how you <coughs> kind of uh, fade into becoming a pro by doing it. You have to. I, I was in so many places at once. You know, I skipped the the party age. I skipped the the going to clubs age. Yeah. I, I really wasn't interested. I was addicted to being in class, learning to be better, and also being on stage. I just loved it. so when i say it was a natural instinct it really was it's where i feel the most at home
0: Hmm. so now uh talk to me uh briefly about you said you did some work with some children and some adults in jamaica queens um tell me about that real quick what what, what was that about you so now here you are you're a you're an art entrepreneur you're an artist who's making some money. Uh, you are working. You're putting yourself on a schedule. They know People know that they can depend on you. You're learning songs. You're performing these songs. Word is getting out about you. You're going to studio sessions. Me with me, I have a recording studio and a management and music industry background. The people who get called back are the people who show up early, deliver, and leave. And they can do that day in and day out, no excuse. So that's what a pro is. It's not just getting paid once. It's getting the reputation that you are dependable. It's your being not only just talented, but dependable. And that, you've you've proven that. Yep. So tell me how you go from that to now you're helping other people or artists or whatever. So, wh- what were you doing in Jamaica Queens? Did it have a name or title? Like, what so, was that about?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I was working, but of course, you wanna make more money. You wanna, you know, you live in New York City, things are expensive. You're yeah. starting to think about, I wanna get my own place, I wanna, you know, do what I do. Right. And I had several little jobs. I was temping for different agencies, and they would send me out to do assistant work in corporate companies. You mm. know, I worked at Estee Lauder. I worked at different banks on Wall Street. Um, okay. And it was okay. You know, it's day work. It's day work. But I wanted to be as, m- as close to the arts as I could be. So, um, you know, traveling through Jamaica every day to get home, I somehow found out about a center called Jamaica Center for Arts and Learning, which Mm. was a huge institution and and I think it's still there. Um, And so I went in, I applied for a job and I got hired because I had a resume, you know. And so um, it was perfect because I was still in college, I was studying at uh, Queens College, and um, it was part-time work, but I ended up creating a lot of curriculum for them teaching vocal workshops um, and teaching musical theater and teaching um, fitness classes wow. and dance fitness classes to to teenagers and adults. My music classes were for young teenagers and then I had a separate group of adults that I would also teach. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, I just started creating programming for them with my ideas. I had no experience, but I had a lot of creativity and I had a lot of uh, technique that I was still learning from my own uh, training so I was happy to <coughs> teach music theory to you know very beginner level because I had so many years of music theory under my belt for my piano training and um, I loved harmony you know by that by the time I got to Jamaica Art Center I had worked with several choirs in different churches and different vocal ensembles so I was able to teach to be a student teacher you know, and just really ex- uh, uh, express little bits of information to people who had no technique at all, wow. you know, as I was continuing to grow my own uh, ability and technique.
0: That is, that is awesome. What was the, um, the people that you were teaching? Did they have any experience in the arts at all or it's dancing or singing? Did they have any experience or with, with being with you some of their first times of being exposed to it? Uh,
1: Yeah, most of the kids that came in, they were just uh, local kids from parts, different parts of Jamaica and um, they would get exposed to the art center programming through their schools or through being in the neighborhood and they would come in off the street and they would come to my class and this was their first experience with music training. So Mm. I taught them sight singing, harmony, breath control, ear training, you know, a lot of things that helped enhance their natural ability because a lot of them had beautiful voices and so you you just you're just helping someone control their own gifts,
0: hmm. and harness and channel it, and and, and, and being able to uh, wow. So here we are. We have no experience as a teacher, but we have an experience. We are experienced as a learner because that's what you were doing. You were mimicking what you saw on TV. You were enhancing what your mom and dad were doing. You were learning Chopin. You're learning all these things, and now you went from that. To teaching and being able to convey to others what you learned and you're helping others harness their gifts now so that's your art arts educator part of you you're an artist and now you're an arts educator when did the author thing come about like,
1: um well i was i was writing in my 20s you know as i'm teaching i i also have an english degree that's what i was studying at, at queens, queen's college, college. I, I studied see. uh vocal performance and composition at the aaron copeland school of music but i also got a bachelor's of english degree in uh literature and pre-law studies and so i was kind of doing all of that stuff um you know and while i was not while i was in school i was not touring actively because i didn't want to miss school so i was working at the art center and then you know you just I tell you, it's like an evolution that happens because you're you're becoming a better teacher. i'm I'm there with more experienced teachers learning learning techniques. You don't necessarily get certified to be an arts educator. You just you're just sharing uh, creative uh, ability, enhancement skills. And um, so it was an a learning experience and a teaching experience at the same time for me. And the more, uh, I, I'm someone that, the more information I get and the more ability I get, I, I translate it to more beginner terms for students who are just starting out. And I'm able to remember and, uh, you know, pass on what I learned at my core. As my core trainings, I pass those learnings on to them. And I think um, that's a good way to share and grow art. Big time. you know.
0: Absolutely. But
1: um, the author thing happened A couple of years after I stopped working at the arts Center because arts funding dried up in New York it's very sad the first thing that goes are the most important and essential ways of really encouraging and inspiring people you know the arts money just dries up and it comes and goes it they they still have some programs but it's not the same as it used to be and so um, I ended up working in corporate again and um, I was doing an assignment that I really hated and I, I decided that I needed to create another lane for myself. And since I was not dancing so much at that time, I said, well, what else can I do? Let me, let me create something. And so I just started, I decided to, to write a book. And I decided to learn the process of how do you get published, how do you, you know, complete? A complete manuscript how do you really do it because many of us start and stop a lot of ideas on paper you know I'm gonna write this oh this would be a great idea for a book or a novel or a song or whatever and then you just kind of write it and leave it if you even write it at all right you know but I would write a lot of things and I I said you know I really want to learn this business I really want to learn this process because I am a lover of literature a lover of books And I had my degree at that point. So I was like, why not me? You know, I don't want to be a journalist, but I would love to be an author. And so I took that on as a challenge to myself. And uh, I got my manuscript completed in three months while I was working full time. Wait, wait, wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. wait. How were you able to work full time and complete a manuscript in three months? How were you able to do that?
1: Well, because my natural instinct is to work. You know, my natural instinct is full of discipline. And and kind of the corporate world was anti-who I am, so I needed an outlet to release the art part of myself. And Got even it. though my book was not about the arts, my book was about relationships. Okay. Um, it, it was a research project, so it wasn't like a novel, which is a bigger undertaking. I see. You know, I wanted my first book to be something simple that I could actually accomplish and finish. I see. So it was more of a research project, hmm. Um, well, and
0: uh, What was it called, if you don't mind me it's asking? It was
1: called 101 Ways to Please a Woman, The Smart Man's Guide.
0: I see. <laughs> <laughs> o- okay. So. And, but,
1: it, you know, it, it's a little bit misleading, uh, uh, the title. Uh, it was really about, <laughs> you know, what women want from a woman's perspective. And so instead of just giving my point of view, because I didn't have that much experience, I was very young, you know, I would, l- I would send out blasts to my mailing list, which by this time was pretty big because of all my dance and music experience. Okay. But also I would join a bunch of relationship forums online because okay. the Internet was, you know, huge already at yeah, that time. Yeah. And there was a lot of forums going on. And so I would just insert little questions like, what are the top 10, ten things you would love in in a relationship, what would you consider a successful relationship? What are the top 10 things that would make it successful and fulfilling for you? Got it. And so I got an overwhelming amount of responses from people from all over the world. Mm. And I was very surprised that so many of the top five answers were the same got it. for women everywhere. I'm talking about India, UK, you know, of course, all over the U.S., but Latin people, Asian people, black people, American, you know, Caucasian people, Irish people from Ireland. And uh, women want the same things.
0: Interesting. Very so interesting. I
1: was like, OK, I can do this. You know, and so I, I gathered all my information. I used my research experience that I was learning on Wall Street, and I put it all together into this cute little coffee table book.
0: How many pages was that book?
1: it's like 200 pages
0: uh, something like that it was simple it was simple (laughs) no 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 you said simple simple to me is 50 pages
1: well 50
0: pages simple (laughs) to me is uh maybe 100 pages you said simple that's a 200 page book that you wrote in three months while working full-time on wall street now anyone in america who's listening (laughs) what you heard about wall street And how busy and how insane it is. It's true. Why? Because I've worked on Wall Street. Uh, Yeah. It doesn't really give you much time to write 200-page manuscripts in 90 days. So the mere fact that you took that (laughs) undertaking on, researching in your spare time, wrote this thing, researched it, wrote it, finished it in three months. Now, let me tell you something. I will write about... 20 pages in three months <laughs> and i'd be very happy if, they, if i wrote perfect 20 pages in three months that in and of itself is impressive now briefly because we've got to get on to the things that you're doing now but mm-hmm. i just i need the people out there to know who you are and what drives you um before we get into what you're doing at the moment now with that book here you are wall street full-time Finished this trend this manuscript in 90 days though 101 ways to please the woman smart man's guide whoa that's intimidating for a dude because we're thinking all right what's the first thing (laughs) can we even get through top five but anyway what was the reception when that book finally like how did you publish it what did you do to get it published and things like that at that point
1: well i you know i really tried to uh get an agent Mm -hmm. go the traditional route i wanted to learn all the ins and outs and i wanted to, to understand who gets in, who gets deals, who who doesn't, and why, and what, you know, and what level is my writing at and all that. So first thing I did was I hired a professional editor okay. to, to read my manuscript and okay. give me feedback. Yeah. And she made some, you know, she made some suggestions, but overall she said this was really well written. It's very informative. I think you'll do great. And awesome. and then I tried to set out to get an agent. So I learned, you know, how to do that, how to write queries. And I sent out a bunch of query letters, you know, and like most um, unknown authors, who some people never get any responses at all, I got several responses from three rounds of query letters that I did. And all the responses that I got back were, this is really fun, this is really a good piece, I think you will do great. Unfortunately, I have five other authors on my plate and I can't take on any new talent for the next year and a half. So if you're willing to wait, You know, you're welcome to join our team, but I didn't want to, I really didn't want to wait. I didn't, you know, I didn't understand that part of publishing, how traditional publishing can take so long before an actual manuscript can come out. Similar to the music industry, by the time you hear a song on the radio, it's been written three years ago or more. And so I, after all the work I put in, I was like, oh man, there has to be another way to do this. So I, I went the self-publishing route and I tried to learn that, you know, part of the business. My, my goal to myself was to get a book published, and so I wanted to complete the circle for myself. Now I'm I just see. a little bit OCD that way. And so, you know, I'm very tenacious and very resourceful, and I learned as much as I could. Um, I ended up working with a co-publishing company, which are now, a lot of them are called Vanity Presses. Okay. Um, and um, they they basically help you finish your project. I they, see. You know, it's... I see. You don't get the. You have to pay for every single step of the process. I see. Like I already had the book edited, I formatted it myself because I was a whiz with with software. Right. And um, so that part of that part of it I handled. They helped me with my cover design, you know, and all the little um, official publishing t- steps that you need, like getting an ISBN and having the cover the back cover just right the spine just right and all that they did that technical part for me i could have continued doing it myself and learning but i was really exhausted and there's some things that uh, at that time were beyond my level of interest yeah so i didn't want to take it on cuz i just couldn't take on more and keep my job and you know yeah. keep my sanity
0: yeah keep your sanity <laughs> you know yeah. so
1: i hired them <clears throat> we partnered up and um, and then my book was released and it was it was released to about 19,000 different retailers around the world. So I had done it. I accomplished my first, you know, publishing. I was so happy. Wow. And then I was like, okay, now what? I got to <laughs> sell this book. How does it sell? It doesn't just magically sell itself, you wow. know. The marketing step was a whole other project and I was like, "Oh my gosh," you know. So I started to learn that part. And you just learn you just learn by, you know, trial and error.
0: My goodness. So working full-time you're writing this manuscript i'm assuming you're still going on audition are you dancing still just briefly are you still in the arts because well you know you're working and you're writing were you still dancing and auditioning and doing things like that were you
1: i was still doing session work i was still going for auditions i was still doing you know movie day work when i could unfortunately full-time work uh kills a lot of your availability during the week so it slowed down but you
0: do realize there are only 24 hours in a day right how are you able (laughs) i'm just i'm just saying how are you able to work on wall street from nine to five or eight to five or eight to six because wall street there's no such thing as 5 p.m you leave go home they want you to stay later or whatever the case may be how are you able to work full time on wall street Still go on auditions if they were available after 4, 5, 6 p.m. and still write and research and and read, not just write and research your subject, but then you have to write and research how to get this thing published, to write and research how to find an editor to help you edit. There are only 24 hours in a day. Did you sleep? I just want to know in I, this time, I didn't did get you,
1: much sleep.
0: Okay, how many hours? An hour, <laughs> I don't hour know. and a half.
1: No, no, but you know, okay. basically, you have to. You have to do whatever it takes to get you where you want to be in life period. Wow. And I learned that hard work from my dad. He wow. you know he worked 16 hours a day sometimes every day. Wow. And um, so I, I had that example at home for many, many years and um, enjoying class, dance class and music class so much, discipline was just a part of who I was. and so I knew that I didn't want to be working in a corporate job forever. Or even for the next foreseeable few months. Gotcha. Um, but I needed that lifestyle, that income. You know that allowed me to live a certain quality of life. So you do whatever you have you, to do.
0: You do what you have to do. So now you, you you're now like you said, marketing is a whole different animal. Here you have the thing, you have it published, you got it. You got a co-publisher, which is now called a vanity press. You have all of these things now. And the book was it met with any reviews or acclaim is there any you know because did you go on any book tours because you sometimes at this time you kind of have to tour your book but you're a full-time employee exactly so how do you you know go to releases of your book in certain outlets were you able to do any of that you
1: know I I was uh the the world was in the middle of that big real estate bubble that wreaked havoc on the economy around 2009 2010 mm, gotcha. and so that was when my book came out and gotcha. so um, at the time I had to figure out you know how I'm gonna get this book some visibility and get yeah. myself some visibility and so I you know worked with the the co-authorship the vanity press I, I mean the co-publisher and I um, learned what some of the marketing techniques they used were that I could not afford to pay them for because right. they were in this, the high thousands you know to, to get you all marketed to if you're gonna market me if you're going to charge me 10 grand to sell you know five thousand dollars worth of books then it's really not worth it you know yeah. <laughs> so let me learn some of this myself and I still had a lot of friends who were working in the arts so I Um, Got myself on several podcasts and, you know, podcasts were were growing at that time. Also, Um, I was visible as an arts educator at that time also. So I got invited to speak at several Women's Day and um, Young Entrepreneur events um, around Queens and Manhattan, okay. so I, I took everything. I took everything that came, and I made it work with my schedule. I used all my vacation time. I used all my sick days. I used whatever I needed to use, to be available to to give myself more visibility. And then, you know, um, my Wall Street bank, half of the department I was working in got laid off. Wow. So they were offering everyone these packages. You can either take a package now with some money. Or you can wait this bubble out and see what happens. You may or may not get a package okay. later. So I was like, I'll take a package. I'll take a pack- <laughs> package. package. So I, I took a package, and, you know, it, it gave me the freedom to then do some serious hustle work to promote my book. And I ended, up, wow. I ended up being a featured author at the L.A. Times Festival of Books in Los Angeles at the UCLA campus. And wow. it was a mind-blowing experience. Tell me about that. Well, I um, worked with the co-publisher and they said, you know, this, this genre is so unique that we should enter it to see if it's one that the, the uh, festival committee would be interested in featuring. And sure enough, three weeks later, I got the call that my book was accepted to be a featured book at this year's, that year's uh, Festival of Books. Wow so i flew out to los angeles and um i took about 500 you know books with me and um the ucla campus was incredible white tents everywhere on this old historic campus it was just an amazing experience and what was more amazing was to see a line of like hundreds of people at least 200 people online from my little table waiting to get A copy of my book signed.
0: That, what did that feel like? Just give me a quick. What did you feel? It was
1: surreal. It was surreal because I was there by myself. I didn't have anybody with me, and I was like, I wish you know my grandmother could see me.
0: (laughs) Wow. Wow.
1: It, It was amazing.
0: Wow, I. What makes that story so beautiful to me is that here it is something that you were writing in your spare time after work. Now. Now you get to go from New York to Los Angeles and you have 500 people who are not friends, who are not family, who don't know you, who wouldn't recognize you if they bumped into you on the street, are now waiting in line for your book. Now, I don't, that's as powerful an experience as you can. And it goes back to what we spoke about, everybody. Go back to episode 10. I don't know why I like this episode so much of, the, of my podcast. Episode 10, season one, represent... Where I speak about how difficult it is for you to be a prophet in your own village. It's very difficult to be recognized in your home or your village for the talent that you have. Very, very difficult. But somehow, some way, if you believe in yourself, you believe in your talent, and you put in the work necessary—the front end work, which is the talent part, putting your art out there—and the back end work, which is truly believing in yourself, truly believing. Things will occur outside of your village that you never thought possible—from a ninety-day manuscript to an LA Times festival on use UC, in UCLA campus with a line of five hundred people. This is what you're able to accomplish with a certain level of belief in yourself. That is awesome. So now we have you. Now you're a notable author. Hello, <laughs> you went from, you went from part-timing this book to being a notable author at a prestigious festival. Now, here we are. After that, you're still in corporate and things of that nature. Let's fast forward a little bit. Now we have a background. I'm seeing something on my, uh, uh, your credentials. I see Chavez House Publishing. Now, Chavez House spelled C-H-A-V-E-S. What does this mean to you? Why did you start Chavez House Publishing?
1: Well, I, um, you know, I got back into corporate. You get um, one opportunity leads to another and another and another. And you, you try to hold on to your art. You know, I continue to write books. I continue to help other people write books because the story went from what is your book about to can you help me with my book? Uh. Can, you, can you teach me <laughs> to do what you did? because I really really want to write my own book and so it shifted from you know the relationship book to how to get your own books done and so I started doing a lot of that work um, and helped launch a lot of new authors which I'm happy to say and some of them were from Wall Street where I was working Wow. and then I transitioned to a a consulting company that was an amazing experience with some of the smartest people on the planet um, me included on, in that team was Hello. awesome.
0: So you're one <laughs> um, of the smartest people on the planet. Well, no no no, no. No, 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 no. I'm saying they don't say, they don't
1: hire no slouches. You say
0: you were know? <laughs> so. the smartest people on the planet, and I happen to be part of that team. Yeah, I'm
1: a, I'm in that I'm included in that bunch. So it was it was amazing. But one of the greatest mm. things that well, two of the greatest things that happened while I was working there was I got to meet uh, Juno Diaz, who is a, uh, wow noble prize winner of literature for his yeah. book, um, The Small Wondrous Life of Oscar Wow mm-hmm. an incredible story of a Dominican immigrant. And he happened to be at an event that I organized with that company. Um, and one of the greatest messages that I heard him say that day was, it took him 11 years to write his masterpiece and he said, you know what? You just have to write and let it go. Let it be. Let it be what it is. Wow. And so stop judging yourself so harshly. Stop waiting for it to be something perfect because that doesn't exist and just let it be. And it just <coughs> gave me the impetus to keep keep writing, keep doing what I do in every in every aspect of all the arts that I love. Wow. Um, it gave me like an injection of, of energy. And, you know, those meetings are not by chance.
0: Nope. nope. And
1: then after him, I got... The biggest meeting of my life, which was I got to actually hug Maya Angelou. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, um, you know, she was a, a, a speaker at an event at our company, and um, I, I was on the planning committee, and I had to bring her a warm cup of tea because it was horrible weather. She was delayed, <laughs> she was flustered, and I was petrified because I didn't know how she would be you know you never know how someone's going to treat you until you meet them and and if she's having a bad day she's an older legend yeah you know (laughs) I was like um (laughs) okay well let me bring you this tea I just wanted to make sure you're okay and you know she um she I, I said you know with all due respect you're such a huge inspiration I'm so glad you made it you didn't have to be here today and she said you know Sometimes you don't know why you have to show up.
0: Yeah. Wow. You know, when I mentioned earlier that, you know, you gravitated towards greatness. Now, all of a sudden you're meeting Juno Diaz. You're meeting Maya Angelou. It seems that at that point, now greatness was gravitating towards you as well. This is what happens when you step into your truth. When you step into your truth, you have no idea how far it will take you. You are going to meet people, greet people, collaborate with people that are in their truths as well. That's what ends up happening. That's what ends up happening. Like they say, your, your vibe describes your tribe, and that's what ended up happening with you. So now I'm actually, while I'm talking to you, I'm on the Chavez House Publishing website. I see it's (laughs) called ChavezHouse.com. And I see something here called The Essential Self-Publishing Success Blueprint, a step-by-step guide to get it done right. Now, are you telling me that you're going to get me to write a book the way you wrote a book? So if I'm a full-time worker and I'm dancing and I'm running around and I have kids and I have two jobs and I have little... Bugaboos at home who need to get fed and clothed and bathed. You're telling me that this book contains the blueprint that you used to go from full time worker, part time publisher to being an someone who can actually get this project out in 90 days. Are you telling me you can do this? I can do this.
1: Uh, well, this blueprint is actually the information I wish I had when I was getting uh-huh. my book done. <laughs> this hmm. is the this is the information <laughs> I was praying to have. Um, this is all my collective uh, learnings and I I took out all the blunders that I made as an unknown author and with no guidance. Um, and I, you know, have put in actual information that takes you from thinking about a book all the way through publishing and marketing your book step by step by step. So you can get it done. You have so many questions answered in this book. You don't even have to ask the questions because you have a list of what is next on your project. And um, it's tried and true. It's uh, the, the formula that successful authors use whether they are traditional or self-published. And um, I'm so proud of this work because it is you know me trying to extend my reach to all the people that I can't work one-on-one with and just saying, listen, you don't have to wait for me. You can still do it. Here's here's what you need to know, and this will springboard you into being an author. And then whatever you choose to do with your authorpreneurship after that, it's all up to you. And, and it just opens a whole new lane of op- opportunities and possibilities for okay. you.
0: Okay. So here's the deal. I've spoke I've uh, spoken on this podcast briefly that I'm I want to work on two books. Uh, In the interest of full disclosure to the people out there, I am using this success blueprint as we speak. It's easy to have great book ideas. Oh, that's easy. Oh, I got an idea for a book. Oh, I can tell my life story. You know, that's great. Awesome. That's awesome that you can manifest that as an idea. To put that idea on paper, to have chapters and an outline and an to take that idea from just rattling around in your head like a marble in a can and to put it down on paper and to get it down there in 90 days and for it to look and read like a book, it's two totally different animals. I'm using this as we speak. I have two books in my head that I want to get out of my head and put down on paper. There's no way, and I'm a writer. I like to write. Writing is one of the things that I enjoy doing. I love to read. And I enjoy writing ideas, things like that down. I've always been very, you know, talented as an... Writing comes easy to me. So, but writing a book <laughs> is not easy. You, anyone out there from college, when your teacher says, hey, I got this 15-page uh, paper that's due in three, four weeks. How many of us groaned like, oh my God, 15 pages, Lord. How many times <laughs> in the beginning of the semester, you hear that you have a 20-page paper due in two months we go crazy. Oh my God. How am I going to, how am I going to do that? Meanwhile, this success blueprint teaches you not to write a 20 page paper in two, three months, how to write a 90 page, how to write a book in 90 days. This is extremely important. I'm using this as we speak. Literally, I have to read through it. I'm reading. I'm probably on page, uh, I think 50 or 60. How many pages is this book again?
1: It's about, uh, it's not long. It's so about 150 pages About 150 so. pages. So yeah, I'm, it's very, I'm it's very condensed information. Yes,
0: yes. It's just one, what you need. Just what you need. So it's one third. I'm, I'm one third through it. And it's not one of those things that you're trying to read to get to the end. This isn't that kind of book. This is a book to teach you what you need to do. So the reason why I've had, the reason why I'm on page 50 is because I keep going back. And keep reviewing certain things that were said on page 20, on page 30. Very important nuggets of information. I'm telling you, if you have any book ideas in your mind, I don't care who you are, if you want to tell a story about a grandparent, a parent, a cookbook, a travel book, something about your life in particular, an idea you have. If you if you've lost a parent or a sibling or a loved one and you want to write about the grieving process. you can write this this book will teach you how to write a book about any single any subject that you have in your mind like i said it gets it from rattling in your mind to out and on paper and printed this is awesome so i'm also seeing here through chavez house i'm seeing something very interesting you know because of this uh successful manuscript successful publishing blueprint is going to be on Amazon April 6th, I see.
1: It's it's going to be actually globally launched April 6th. So not just Amazon, but Apple Books, Kobo Books, oh Barnes & Noble, oh, wow. and 90,000 retailers around the world. Whoa.
0: Okay, so April 6th. So that what date is that? What That's date?
1: Tuesday, so, this coming Tuesday. So
0: today is April 3rd. Yeah. And I'm publishing this. But this is a special podcast, guys. I do usually, I only do Thursdays. I just, you know, because I got a busy life. I got a lot of things going on. So as much as I would like to do this podcast more often, once I start setting up cash apps and Venmos and things like that, and you guys start, you know, giving, compensating me and advertisers start, you know, chiming in, then I can do this more days out of the week. But unfortunately, there are other things that have to take precedent. Sort of things like, you know, things like rent, things of that nature, you know, other entrepreneurial endeavors. In any case, the reason why I'm doing this special April 3rd Saturday edition of Whose World Is This with Junior Renee Bo Brun is because of the global launch, the April 6th global launch of the Essential Self-Publishing Success Blueprint, a step-by-step guide to get it done right. This is the reason why we're here today. This is one of the reasons why I wanted you get a background on this dynamic, phenomenal individual. And what drove this person to do all the things that they do. How she was nurtured and her nature. So you can get an idea of who you're investing in when you purchase this book. This is not someone who's just writing this um, willy-nilly off the top of their brain. Saying, hey, this looks like something that's in a popular genre. Let me write something about it. No, this is someone who has a teaching background. Someone who's experienced enough to say, you know what? I want to make it easier for those who are coming up behind me. Get this stuff right so they don't have to go through the same trials and tribulations that I did. So, in keeping with that, I'm noticing that um you have something on your page called the Lenore Batista Journals Collection. This is still everybody chavezhouse.com. If you want to look at the success blueprint and you want to get involved and you want to purchase what I'm looking at right now, which is called the Lenore the Lenore Batista Journals Collection. Grow your gratitude, self-love, and abundance. Practiced with these beautiful tools, and I see here, I see uh, the gratitude journal, which is one journal. Uh, love letters to myself. Then I see abundance is mine. Then I see she believed she could, so she did. All right, let's speak about the Lenore Batista journals collection. Tell me about this. What, 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 brought this about?
1: Well, you know, I was, um, it was all of a sudden, actually, <laughs> uh, one day I woke up and, um, uh, I, I am a journal nut. I love everything writing tool related. Mm. I have a problem with my huge collection of pens huh. and notebooks. <laughs> and every year I have treated myself to a beautiful, uh, personalized journal that I design. And they're usually super expensive and totally worth it for me because I use it every single day. So I woke up about uh, a a few weeks ago, actually, and I said, what if I design a journal that I would love? You know, because so many people are going through recovery from last year. Hmm. We were all traumatized in different ways. You know, I mean, ridiculous. That's an understatement, actually. You know, it, it just flipped our our rug for all of us. And Mm. and we're still recovering. We're still in recovery mode. So I wanted to create something that that could really help people um, get to their next level. And for me, writing is not only therapeutic, but it's what I do every day. You, You release and you create and you empower and you align yourself through writing. And so I created this collection to help give people a tool and it's and it's very simple it's nothing complicated but you know there's tons of information out there oh you sh- you should be journaling you should be doing gratitude writing you should be you know doing a million things and so um, sometimes you just don't know how to get started and, oh. and and what can i do to improve myself for real you know without spending a whole ton of money because that's another issue people are going with wow. through right now you know and they I listen, you can't afford a hundred dollar personalized journal sometimes. You know, if you can, fantastic. But if you can't, then what do you do? You have to go get like, you know, a three dollar notebook and, and use it. So I wanted to create something beautiful to inspire and encourage people to grow themselves through writing and journaling. And so the Gratitude Journal is a, a gently guided um, daily entry with a morning um intention setting prompt Hmm. where you wake up you're getting ready for work or whatever you do during the day and you write down what you what you would like your day to look like and um, setting that intention is so powerful because you uh you you create a vibe around yourself and you really can shift the way your day goes by how you start it by with what is your mood what is your attitude and what is your expectation And then you come back the same day on the same page and you write down what went well that day and what you're grateful for that happened that day. So each day you can see, you know, your intention and then what, what happened to align with your intention for the day. Okay. And So it's 365 days of gratitude.
0: 365. So I'm looking at the cover now and I'm hoping everyone out there who's listening to this podcast on their phones or on their laptops or iPads or whatever device that you're using, uh, that you, you're on the page right now and you're following along with us and you're looking at ChavezHouse.com. That's C-H-A-V-E-S-House.com, V as in Victor, ChavezHouse.com. And I'm looking at the Gratitude Journal. I'm looking at the cover. When I look at this cover, I want to be where this cover is right now. I see a sunset. It says Gratitude Journal, My Abundant Blessed Life. I see what looks like what it seems to be the ocean. I see someone meditating. I see a shadow or or, or a shadow of someone who's in in a a meditative form. This cover alone, I think I could look at this cover every day without writing in it and be happy. (laughs) I think without, without opening it. And I gotta tell you, as a guy, I write, but I don't write about myself. I don't write about the things that I want. I don't write about my intentions and I should. You know, it doesn't become real until you put it down on paper. Oftentimes, there's something called a thought word deed. You have to thought about something. Then you write it down on paper, it becomes the words. And then after the words comes these deeds, you're able to manifest actions. So I think this is an essential step in my life that I miss. I miss this, you know, and oftentimes I'm told, you know, you got to write it down. Every time you go to, if you go to a self-help workshop, They're going to tell you, oh, you got to write these things down. If you speak to uh, the millionaire mindset community, which says if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, you want to be a successful this, you have to write these things down. This is what is so important about journaling. It's about getting things out of your head, getting it onto the paper so you can manifest them in your real life. So it can become things that are tangible and concrete. So I'm seeing the gratitude journal. This is a beautiful cover. Now on to this Love Letters to Myself cover, which is awesome. It's got, you know, it's a great cover. Love Letters to Myself, My Journal of Self-Love and Empowerment. And I see love as building blocks. L has a block, O has a block, V has a block, and E has a block. What is this journal about?
1: So this journal is um, something that many of us need to practice more of, and that is self-acceptance nurturing yourself, loving yourself, and um, you know, taking the time to intentionally n- care about who you are today right now from this point in wow. order to evolve into your next best self. You you know sometimes we are our own worst critic. Sometimes our brains are filled with so much negative self-talk that we don't even realize it. it just becomes part of our DNA and it's detrimental to everything that we would like our lives to be. So this one I created to help people become more confident and help them to see themselves in a more loving and gentle way. And, and basically, it encourages you to write at least 10 things every day that you love about yourself or that you love about your life. And again, it's a level of gratitude, but this one is pointed directly at you. Wow. Because oftentimes, we're so busy taking care of other people and, and, and you know, giving our whole selves to whatever jobs we do or even to our families. And we forget that you matter also. Hmm. And so this is really all about self-love and empowerment to grow yourself in order to continue being your best.
0: Interesting. So I'm looking at this journal and I'm saying to myself, if I write in this, This is prompting me. You're telling me, to. you're prompting people out there to write about themselves in a more empowering way. I'll give you an example. You know, uh, I used to work in the uh, fitness industry. I spent a great deal of time there. And I'll see someone, I'll be like, wow, you're doing a great job. And they'll go, yeah, thanks, but. So this is not the thanks, but. This is the, I'm doing a great job journal. This is the, be proud of yourself, love yourself, stop critiquing yourself, is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, this is the, Hmm. um, put it down on paper, force yourself to write 10 beautiful things about yourself. And so that the next time you look at yourself in the mirror, you'll be gentler with who you see, and you'll be kinder to that person looking back at you. And you'll start to evolve into someone who is more confident, more happy, more centered, and more accepting and um, just happy because our our whole point being here is to be as happy as possible. When you when you happy when you're happy, you're at the, one of the highest vibrations you can be at, and it, and yeah. it it makes you your most authentic and highest evolved self.
0: This is very interesting. I I am looking at this, and I, there are two more that I have to get through. But the reason why I think that this one is is as important as the first one, the gratitude one, where you're speaking gratitude. 365 pages. In the first one, where you're speaking gratitude in the morning and you're speaking gratitude into existence in the evening. So you're not allowing that day to e- escape you without being grateful for what you were, what you did, that you got through the day, the things that you were able to accomplish. You know, you have to give yourself a pat on the back. You can't wait for other pats on the back. I can't remember who said it, but it said "Um, we have to teach our children to be proud of themselves and not always say, hey, you know, babe or such and such, I'm proud of you. That's great. But you want to instill pride in oneself. I want you to be proud of you. And you. we want to instill that into people early on to not really need the externalities of the world to inspire them, but they can inspire themselves. Remember that, that um, old quote from Frederick Douglass that was like, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken adults? You know, so a lot of us out there, truth be told, we are filled with a lot of negative self-talk that we've gotten from an early age and we're carrying it into our adulthood, whether we got it from our peers, our parents, our siblings, our teachers, our guardians, people that we trusted, little things. They said, ah, you can't do that. So a lot of people were um, sort of uh, uh, putting their limitations on us. They were projecting their own limitations and how they looked at the world on us. And we carry a lot of that. Debris into our adulthood. So when we want to accomplish a lot of things and we're like I can do that deep down, you know, you can. But what's that block?
1: And and I would even take it a step further. You know, many of us can understand that Mm. self-love idea in a practical sense, in a in a ideological sense, but we don't put it into practice daily. You know, you right, you, you right. do all this work, you have these degrees, you have these accomplishments, or, you know, you, you're feeding your family, you're feeding yourself, you take, you're doing everything that you need to do every day, Got but it. you still don't feel like you are enough. Hmm. And so this journaling concept helps you to align all your dots Got and it. really believe what you're doing, wow. that you are enough. Wow. And then that's the only way to get to the next level of you.
0: Got it understood okay so i gotta move on from that because you have two more journals but i really love that love journal i'm i'm in love with the love
1: letters
0: (laughs) so the third one i see here on chavezhouse.com is abundance is mine and the cover is a beautiful cover i mean this is some sort this is a sandy beach and there's this sort of violet pink sort of background with the heart abundance is mine and there's a crown on top of the heart I, I really, like I said, I these covers make me want to go do things. It makes me want to, you know. <laughs> I, f- I didn't even write anything yet. I'm just looking at it. So it says, "Abundance is mine." Scripting journal. Uh, what's this one about?
1: So a scripting practice is one of the most powerful ways of writing that that there are, um, as far as I'm concerned. And I really love this journal because um, this is they they're all important and and writing is going to heal you no matter what in what form you do it or in with what tool but scripting intentionally can really change your life in in a very fast way and i encourage people to to look at this practice if you want to make big moves this year
0: can you can you describe what scripting actually is i don't don't know what scripting is
1: scripting is when you Take a moment. You sit down with your favorite tools,
0: what are your, what, like, a like favorite what? pen, okay. and a favorite book. Favorite pen, favorite And that's book. why
1: I made this one so beautiful. So this beautiful. is going to
0: be the favorite book. Yeah. That's okay. why I
1: made them so beautiful. Got because it. I want you to want to go do it.
0: Yeah. And, I see that. Okay.
1: And so scripting is when you take a few minutes of your day and you brainstorm your vision for your ideal life. Wow. What would you love your day to look like every day? Or what would you love a moment in your day to look like? There's no rule to, to how long or how big your vision has to be. Mm. And there's no limit to how big it can be. So whatever you want for yourself, whatever you think of at this moment, you write it down and just let it all come out on paper. Wow. It, you know, and, and you do it in the present tense as though this is your life. My In my ideal life, I see blah, 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 blah. Or I am blah, 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 blah. And you write it out and you just let your imagination and your inner truth come out on paper
0: okay so let me let me see if I can tell me if I'm doing it right I get this journal me Mm -hmm. I get this journal and I'm scripting so let's say my ideal day looks like uh do I start off with I yeah okay so do I start off with I will or I I want I am I am so it's in
1: present tense I see so you you're you're creating the life you want on paper in present tense and then after you release everything that comes out of you you take a few moments and read your words Hmm. and you sit in that emotion that you would feel if you had all those things already happening. And that emotion that you feel is where the manifesting magic happens.
0: So let me ask you, can you, can you give me a a, a sort of like a sentence example of, of what a, what a script, an example of scripting, can you give me an example of that?
1: Sure. In my ideal life, I am surrounded by people who love and accept me and who I have great community with in my ideal life. I am financially free in my ideal life. I am planning my next adventure to whatever country In my ideal life. I have a beautiful home with three dogs and whatever car is your favorite insert here.
0: I see, I see. So a sentence like this in my ideal life, I am on, uh, in my ideal life, I am on the beach. In Waikiki, with my beautiful fiance, while I have uh, Miles Davis playing something kind of blue in my headphones, uh, that's like a full on idea, right? Exactly,
1: and oh. you don't and you don't have to start every sentence with "In my ideal life." You can just say, "I wake up and I see the sunrise and I feel." Completely fulfilled because. Okay. okay. Enter, insert thought here. Oh. So basically, you're creating these beautiful images of what you actually want your life to look like, but you do it in in not a future tense, but in a present, in, in a tense. present tense. In a present tense. And my, then you allow God. those emotions of happiness flow through you.
0: I remember. Um. I remember. You know. Sometimes. You know. I'm funny like that. I will always revert to a hip hop song. Um, people oftentimes don't consider it an art form. I consider it an avant-garde art form. Depends on who you listen to. But I remember one of my favorite artists of all time, KRS-One, had a line in one of his songs where he said, visualize wealth and put yourself in the picture. And
1: that's I, exactly what scripting is.
0: That's okay. because I. You a,
1: have to create the picture, hmm. put it on paper, and then envision yourself in that picture, wow. but... Beyond envisioning yourself, you have to feel the emotion of the picture you created.
0: So this is not just write it down. This is write it down. Think about it first. Think. have Feel it. Write it down and sit in that moment and visualize it. any and, and What's the kind of emotion? I remember um, years ago, and I can't remember who said this, but I remember it's they said, it's not enough to uh, envision the house that you want. You have to know what your neighbors look like. You have to know what the, you have to furnish it. You have to furnish each room. Make your vision of your life as specific as possible in your mind. Don't, don't leave it up to chance or being abstract because the more concrete you can make it in your mind, the more you can make it a reality. It's not just about just saying it, but really take a moment and think about all the things the smell of the ocean like I I, I want to smell it, it while I'm sitting there after I wrote it and after I write those words I want to take a moment and smell the salt water
1: right so you basically you you write as descriptively as possible mm. without thinking too much just just do. let it flow
0: right because right.
1: what's flowing out of you will continue to flow That's awesome. you know naturally but then you have to sit in the emotions that those words create for you, sit in those and emotions. then you have to let it go Man. and understand that it is a sealed r- rote now, and so it will happen without you having to worry about how.
0: Wow. Th- that, that's that that's the work. That's life work. I mean, that's that's what we're here for. Um, the work that we're doing. In our life, sometimes the other things we're doing is busy work, and this is the real work that we're put on this planet to do. Exactly. Finding a way to get to our truth. Just like we're circling back to how you were able to meet a Maya Angelou and you are able to meet a Juno Diaz only because you were stepping into your truth at that moment as an artist. You're not going to meet those people if you're not stepping into your truth because they were already in their truths. So now, speaking about truths, the last but definitely not the least of the uh, journals. It's a beautiful cover. I mean, this is a... Anybody, if you want to see these covers, before I even get to this cover, um, it's at ChavezHouse.com. However, if one wants to purchase these, where do they go? Do they buy it on this website or do they go someplace else?
1: Uh, they can. They, there's purchase links on the website okay. that will take them to a- Amazon.com where they are for sale.
0: Oh, oh okay, because under each... Under each uh, uh, description, because you have the journal, then you have a brief description about the journal, then you have a purchase uh, uh, tab. So if one clicks we on click this the button,
1: per- it will take them to.
0: So this purchase button takes one to Amazon, to your Amazon page, mm-hmm. which is called, what is your Amazon? Is there a.
1: It's just Lenore Batista's uh, journal series, but. the the purchase button will take them directly. We'll take them
0: directly to that, and they can purchase it. Okay, so I'm glad I got that out the way, just to make sure, because I love this cover. Because every every one of these covers is a is a place I feel like I want to be. The gratitude cover, I want to be there. Love letters to myself. It's a beautiful cover. I'd love to give that to a gift to my fiance, to my mom, Mother's Day, whoever, friends of mine that that are you know that need to write things down. All of us need to write things down. It's a beautiful uh, picture. And this fourth one, speaking about truth, it says here, she believed she could, so she did. Exclamation point. She believed she could, so she did. And I'm looking at this beautiful picturesque scene if you're on chavezhouse.com right now. It's where I want to be right now doing this interview podcast. It is as picturesque. I've actually been in locations like this because. I manifested it in my mind when I was in Jamaica, Queens. I said I wanted to live in Italy, but I'm not Italian and I didn't know anyone in Italy. I didn't know how I was going to get there. And maybe more than a decade and a half later, I was in Napoli sitting down having an espresso and looking at something similar to this scene. And I'm saying to myself, I remember when I said this, but there was nothing around me that said that I could end up there. Nothing around me was only in my mind and this is awesome she believed she could so she did tell me about this last one
1: so this last one is uh, something that m- most people are gravitating to in conjunction with one or two of the others got it people are loving these journals and i understand why i made them as beautiful as i could again because i wanted to inspire people to write mm. and so this last one is a 52-week planner mm. and it just it just is a beautiful tool to start re- living your life again. Now as the world is reopening, and you know we ha- are having a better year hopefully, and we are reconnecting and um, making new paths for and new options for ourselves, we are needing a planner to write down the important things and, and, and make those moves. And so this is an undated 52-week planner, so mm. you don't have to worry about the dates expiring. You it. know, it's 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 um, I like planners that are undated so that I could control the week that I use to, you know, plan whatever I'm got planning. It, got it. Okay. And so each week is um, each week has the seven days of the week. So you can write your important appointments and then be after each uh, weekly um, seven day page. Right. You get two. Pages of free writing so that you can take notes about things you have to remember for that week. And, you know, just I'm always jotting down things and doodling and, and writing little things to remember later in my journals. So I wanted to make sure it had room to write aside from just your weekly appointments. And that's it. It's just an inspiring cover. I, it's one of my favorite places in the world to look at.
0: So, wh- where is this place? This
1: is in Italy uh, in the, on the Amalfi Coast. It's one
0: of my favorite places. And it's Italy. just
1: one of the most gorgeous places to, to be at. Um, and I can't wait to get there and have exactly that happening yeah. for me. <laughs> I, I
0: haven't been to the Amalfi Coast, unfortunately. When I, I, was, I lived in Italy for about six months, and um, I visited a lot of places, I didn't have the opportunity to visit the Amalfi Coast, be, even though I wanted to. Uh, but when I look at this cover, it's aspirational, it's inspirational. It's everything that you want to cover to be. It's awesome, 52 page. It says here, this is the perfect 52-week planner for women and girls who make boss moves all year. This is an important journal this year. I don't know if you guys remember. I did a a show, and I I called it Halftime because um, I realized that June was approaching. The halfway mark of the year was approaching very quickly. I realized when I looked at the calendar, that it was March already. Now we're April 3rd, but I did that episode in March and I was saying to myself, wow, we're almost done with the first quarter of this year. And I was asking myself, how am I making this year better than, how am I improving on 2021 from what occurred to all of us in 2020? All of us, I feel to a certain degree had some setbacks. We were dealing with new realities, new normals that pretty much changed the way we looked at the world, changed the way we lived our lives. Some of us had great plans for 2020, and those plans were derailed. How do you get back on track? How does one get back on track after being derailed with all the uncertainty that exists in the world, even till today? you know, We'll get into that maybe in a later, later episode, what those actual uncertainties look like, but we're all dealing with uncertainties. Some of us are in different kinds of jobs. Some of us out there have you know uh, have kids and we don't know when they're going back to school or when schools are opening full-time you're at home with your child you're working at home with your child you may have had entrepreneurial projects that were on the table maybe you were looking to take that hobby of yours and take it into the marketplace and commodify it and see if you can profit off of your 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 art or your uh, prowess or proficiency in a a particular uh, field and 2020 derailed you from that how do you get back on track I think the first way to do it is to start chronicling. Center yourself. Take a moment. Start journaling. Start writing the things that are going right with you. Let's not focus and concern ourselves with what the news is telling us, what leads our local news about what's wrong, the if it bleeds, it leads paradigm. Forget about that. These journals allow you to take a moment for yourself to encourage yourself to be a better version of yourself. This is what these journals do. I love them. Definitely go out and get them. ChavezHouse.com. That's C-H-A-V as in Victor, E-S, House.com. There's a purchase link under each description for the journals, as well as coming soon, April 6th, Tuesday, The Essential Self-Publishing Success Blueprint, a step-by-step guide to get it done right by Lenore Batista. Lenore, it's been awesome speaking to you. I am so happy that you gave me a moment out of your busy schedule because, you know, you're the kind of person that uses the full (laughs) 24-hour cycle to get things done. And it's like I said before, this show is called The Message. And the message that we're relaying is you can do these things now. You don't have to wait till the next lifetime. You don't have to wait till next year. You don't have to wait. You can do these things today. It starts today, Lenore. Where can we reach you at? Give us all your information. Everything you want to tell the public besides your home phone number. You know, <laughs> where can we find um, all d- things Lenore? We want we want to be in the Lenore business.
1: Definitely, you can uh, you can reach me at ChavezHouse.com. Okay, and uh, there's links uh, there to contact us, and I'll I'll you know be reached directly. Okay. and um, there's uh, also the ability to work one-on-one with me if you have a book project that's very complicated or you want just a little bit of extra help, you can book uh, some one-on-one sessions or packages, you know, of four, however you'd like, and of course, you can always see what I'm doing and what I'm up to on Instagram at trulylenore, which is T-R-U-L-Y-L-E-N-A-U-R-E, and I'm always, you know, trying to just keep it positive and lead by example,
0: Got it, got it. Anything else? Do you have? uh, Are you working in media? Do you have a podcast or anything like that? I do have
1: a podcast. Thank you for reminding me. Okay, awesome, awesome. (laughs) Uh, It's called More Lenore.
0: More Lenore. So that's M O R E L E N A U R E.
1: Very good. Very nice. Look at me
0: spelling. (laughs) Look at this. The Success Blueprint has taught me how to spell as well. Awesome. And
1: it's and it's basically a, a, a a platform where creatives. People like me, we come to connect, collaborate, and um, share our stories about our processes and our projects.
0: I love it. This is awesome. This is it was so it was such a pleasure to speak to you again. Thank everyone you. out there, if you want to get in contact with Lenore Batista, you can contact her at chavezhouse.com. That's c-h-a-v-e-s-house.com or On her instagram and you can follow her and you can see all of the moves that she's making the positive affirmations that she has up the places that she's visited this is a well-traveled well-rounded renaissance individual here so (laughs) i would encourage and implore you to follow her at truly lenore which is t-r-u-l-y l-e-n-a-u-r-e she is improving the world she is informing the world and she is impacting the world, all right? Thank you for tuning in to Whose World Is This with Junior Renee brun with my featured guest, Lenore Batista, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.